Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mavs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. Greetings and felicitations, children of technology. A little ode to Peter Steele of Carnivore and Typo Negative being that we're coming up on Halloween. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Lou Mavs. Welcome back to the Music is Life podcast. And thanks for tuning in. And thanks for all the listens on the last episode. Apparently that generated uh, (laughs) not controversy, but some interest from people when I was speaking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, One bit of news that's brand new in regards to that is that now it's not just the original lineup of Motorhead that's getting inducted. So along with Lemmy, Fast Eddie Clark, and Phil Filthy Animal Taylor, we got Mickey D and Phil Campbell also in the running for the nomination for 2020 inductees. Leaving out, let's see, what bandmates did they record official material with that are not getting included? Let's see, there was Pete Gill of Saxon, who was the drummer on the album Orgasmatron. There was Brian Robertson, who... I believe is getting inducted with Thin Lizzy if they get in. And uh, in case you're curious, he recorded the Another Perfect Day tour, which if anyone out there was at that tour, which meant that you're probably in your 50s or maybe even your 60s right now, you know that there was a lot of songs on that tour that they did not play because Robbo didn't want to play it particularly Ace of Spades, which at the time was still their biggest song off their biggest album. Well, actually, their biggest album was No Sleep Till Hammersmith, but that's a live album, so I'm not including that. So I think Brian Robertson's actually getting inducted within Lizzie. And Wurzel. Wurzel's not getting inducted. Uh, He's not even on the ballot for it, which I think... If I were to speak objectively about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think that's a shame because Wurzel was on every album from Orgasmatron up until Sacrifice. 
regardless if he only recorded two songs on that, um, he was still a part of the band at that point. So that's about nine years of recording from 86 till about 95. But him and Phil did join in 84. Uh, and I remember this because they were on the No Remorse compilation, which at the time was a double record. And at the end of every side was a new song with a new lineup, which was Lemmy, um, Wurzel, Phil Campbell, and Pete Gill. And one of the fam most famous Motorhead songs that came out of that, uh, that period was Killed by Death, which they played at every concert that I've seen them at. So uh, I think that's a bit of a slight on Wurzel. Um, you know, it's a shame. But again, I'm not emotionally invested in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I am happy that Mickey and Phil are getting recognized for their contributions to the band. Because like I said, if, uh, if you take into account that Phil was in from 86 and Mickey joined in 92, so from 92 to 2015... That's 23 years that those two play with Lemmy, which is longer than the original lineup. So congratulations to Mickey and Phil. I say that sincerely, but my opinion still stands. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Moving on. Another thing that I want to recap from last week was that, again, TMZ announced that Eddie Van Halen had cancer, but there were some photographs of Eddie that came out this week. One where he was at a car dealership, another one where he was at a Tool concert in California. Oddly enough, somebody asked him to take a picture. Here's, this is, I, I'm shocked to admit this. Somebody went up to Eddie Van Halen, not realizing who he was, and asked him if he would take a picture of the guy standing in front of the tool stage. And Wolf, his son, photographed this moment, posted it on Instagram, and said, someone just came up to my dad, not realizing who he was, asking him to take a picture in front of the tool stage. What the hell is the matter with you stupid hipsters? This is King Edward Van Halen that you just asked to take a picture of you in front of Tool's stage. Your parents should be slapped <laughs> anyway. Regardless, uh, it was nice to see Eddie Van Halen out and about. You know, um... Cheeks looked a little sunken. Maybe that was because of the medication or whatever. But it was nice to see some funny posts about him and to see that he was out and about. There was actually a, a photograph taken of him and Tool guitarist Adam Jones that was circulating. And I was like, all right, that is, that's pretty cool. By the way, I highly recommend the new Tool album, Fear Inoculum. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was the best album that they put out since Anima. Don't get me wrong, I really liked Lateralis a lot. 10,000 Days was okay, but Anima is probably my high watermark for Tool albums. And I thought Fear Inoculum was as good as that. And some people may agree with that. Some people may think I'm nuts. 
Either way, that's just opinion. But the new Tool album is amazing. I recommend everyone checks it out. Uh, cool thing is that now you can actually stream Tool albums on iTunes and Spotify. So what are you waiting for? Check it out. And what else? Oh, yeah. Machine Head still sucks. <laughs> there, I just re uh, touched up on everything from last week. So, so in an interesting piece of news, um, <laughs> Nikki Six calls out Steel Panther because Steel Panther made a joke about Vince Neil. And... Apparently, it had to do with Vince. Uh, the, what was the context of the joke? The context of the joke was sort of like they asked him, you know, who would you want to bring back from the dead? And they said Vince Neil. But Vince Neil is alive and well. And he's out there on the road performing various dates at various venues, doing like Motley Crue stuff with the guys who make up the band Slaughter. Uh, Jeff Blando on guitar, Dana Strum on bass, and Zoltan Chaney on drums. And the context of the joke was pretty funny, because it's like, you know, bring back Vince Neil. Vince Neil's alive. And, you know, it was sort of pertaining to the bringing back the younger Vince Neil, who was much thinner and didn't sound like Bob Dylan while trying to recite the lyrics. Which, again, in the context was funny. And you know what? Vince Neil's probably laughing all the way to the bank because people are still paying to see him in concert. And, you know, he's still living off the Motley back catalog with his group. And, you know, good for him. Good for him. You know, the guy's pushing 60. So why not let him enjoy you know, the, his, his, uh, later years, you know, like playing out every weekend to like a crowd of 2000, 3000, getting paid his money and performing an hour and a half of Molly Crew songs for people. Well, Nikki six decided to tweet about this. I'm going to get my opinion on Twitter after I'm done with this. So Nikki Six decided to tweet about this and say that, you know, it's disrespectful, you know, backstabbing, you know, Steel Panther were backstabbers or whatever. And they, they were a joke band and this and that. And, you know, just just insulting their whole career. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Steel Panther is, uh, Steel Panther at one point were called Metal School. Two of the members were actually members of the Van Halen tribute band, the Atomic Punks out in California. Ralph Sienz probably does a, a better David Lee Roth than David Lee Roth does. And never misses a note, always hits the whisper scream, did the high jumps. I mean, if catch him on a good day, catch him on a bad day, and you'll say that he reminds you of David Lee Roth in his prime. Now, David Lee Roth is not the greatest singer in the world, but he was probably the best front man for any rock man. Well, I would have to say, I, I think Ralph Sienz, a.k.a. Michael Starr, is probably, you know, the heir to the throne when it comes to that. I mean, the guy puts on a great show. And their guitarist, Satchel, a.k.a. Russ, Russ Parrish, who at one point was a member of Rob Halford's group, Fight, 
That was the band that he formed after leaving Judas Priest. By the way, I recommend people check out their album War of, War, War of Words. Uh, great, great metal album from the early 90s. And Russ did some sick guitar playing on that. But now he's making a living as Satchel from Steel Panther. You know, and in case people don't know what they look like, you know, they look like throwbacks to the 80s L.A. Sunset Strip hair metal days, you know, with the loud neon spandex and the big hair, which I'm sorry to face, uh, to tell you the truth, that Satchel is wearing a wig. <laughs> um, but anyway, though, so he went and called them, you know, a joke, uh, and he called them backstabbers. I'm like, why would you call them backstabbers? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm glad Steel Panther didn't take this kind of verbal abuse from Nikki Six. I'm glad they didn't take it sitting down. Because Nikki Six, all right, look, I am a fan of Motley Crue. I'm a fan of their first two albums, which are Too Fast for Love and Shot at the Devil. But I haven't liked any album from them after that, including Theater of Pain, Girls and Girls, 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 and Dr. Feelgood. The closest thing that comes to anything as good as the first two albums, I would have to say would be the 94 album with John Karabi. And a lot of other people feel that way, although Nikki Six decides that he wants to brush that under the carpet and never talk about it and just say that it was a bad album or it was a bad experience or whatever because Molly wasn't making any money. And, you know, again, this is where rather accept credibility, uh, they, they shun credibility because they weren't making the lucrative amounts that they were from 83 to 92. Which, you know, again, and, and this is the problem with like a lot of rock stars of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, is, is what once you adhere to that kind of a lifestyle where it's like you're practically given everything that you want from food to women to drugs to alcohol, and it's not there for you anymore you you kind of lose your sense of reality. You know, people thought that that was going to last forever, or at least the people that were involved in that kind of lifestyle. But nothing lasts forever. I mean, prime example, Noel Gallagher of... Yes, Noel Gallagher, because Liam was the singer. But Noel Gallagher was a guitarist, songwriter of Oasis. Noel Gallagher was in one of the biggest bands of the 90s, Oasis. And he's still out there putting out music. He's still selling out concerts. But he doesn't have a staff making him tea. Tea. He's making his own tea. Because he realizes that it's a different climate now with, with, with the music industry. Like, if you're an established artist such as Noel Gallagher... You can still tour and make a living from your music, but you're not going to make the lucrative amounts today that you made in your heyday. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that Noel Gallagher's um, expired in terms of his talent. I mean, he's still putting out really good stuff, but 
He knows that he's not playing the 20,000-seat arenas anymore. You know, he's, rele- he's relegated to 2,000-seat uh, theaters and, and and venues like that. And, and he gets it. Which is probably why he's not hurting for money, because he understands, hey, I need to scale back our spending. You know, that's smart. And that's that's who I would say musicians should emulate if you're going to pursue music full time. Emulate guys more like Noel Gallagher who are smart enough to know that what they made then isn't what they're making now. And as a result, you should be smarter and, and f- more frugal in your lifestyle now than you would have back then because it's it's so much different. Nobody's buying physical albums anymore, but people will still go see you in concert, especially if you have a vast library of music like Noel Gallagher. I mean, he wrote all the Oasis songs. So instead of crying for an Oasis reunion between Noel and Liam, just go see Noel Gallagher. Because he wrote the damn songs. Plus, I actually think he's a better singer than Liam. But again, that's that's all opinion. But regardless, back into the discussion that I was talking about, Nikki Six. So, goes ahead and tweets insults towards um, Steel Panther. Again, so weird he called them backstabbers. Well, Steel Panther responded and said speaking of backstabbers, and posted a video of an interview from MTV that dates back to 1994 when John Karabi was in the band and they had just released a self-titled album. And at the time, Vince Neil had just suffered some kind of a boating accident and MTV asked them, how do you feel about that? And they were joking around about it and said, you know, something pertaining to Vince being 300 pounds of 300 pounds of blubber hitting a coral reef. A year later, the poor guy's daughter, Skylar, died of advanced cancer. And, you know, again, I'm not putting that on Motley Crue. Although I think in 94, she had just gotten diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, that was so tragic that Vince had to bury his four-year-old daughter, Skylar. Regardless of some of the mistakes that he made in his life, such as the car accident where Razzle got killed, you know, again, that's what happens when excess runs your life. But regardless... Molly Cruz said this crap about Vince back in 94 and then in 97 reunited with him only for the money. It was only for the money. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're lying. So I give credit to Steel Panther for calling out Nikki Six on his bull. You know, because nobody else has. And... You could call Steel Panther a joke all you want. But when Nikki Six calls himself a... a, a, Something pertaining to 
a legitimate musician, songwriter, whatever. And I'm just like, all right, let's face facts over here. (laughs) Granted, I love the first two Molly Crew albums, so I leave those alone. With the exception of the song Merry-Go-Round. Because that's all the chorus is. Merry-Go-Round and Round about a hundred times. Each chorus. Nothing else. And Theater of Pain had Home Sweet Home, uh, City Boy Blues, and what's the other one that I like a lot? Save Our Souls. Other than that, I don't really care for that as an album. Once you get into Girls, 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 you got songs like Wild Siding, You're All I Need. Both great songs, but I mean, come on. The title track is not that good. And it's like it's like the uber cliche, you know, strip club song. Which, if I ever go to another strip club again, I hope to God I don't hear it. <laughs> they get into Dr. Feelgood, which was apparently their biggest album since Shot of the Devil. And, you know, some really bad songs on there with the exception of Don't Go Away, Mad, Just Go Away, the title track, and Kickstart My Heart. I mean, Rattlesnake Shake, Time for Change, I don't think so. You know, you had you, you didn't even have any gems on Generation Swine, the reunion album with Vince. Uh, Afraid was a good song, but that that was about it. Um, so Nikki, look, you are definitely somebody who is a much more successful songwriter than most people are, in, including myself. So. I technically don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to your success in terms of the amount of songs that you've written. So I give you that quantity of songs, but the quality of your songs leaves much to be desired. It's like your first two albums, a bunch of kick-ass anthems. And then like the material after that, it's like you have a handful of good songs available on volumes of music that, well, they're crap. And you have the audacity to call Seal Panther a joke. First of all, it's not a joke if you're in on the joke. All right? It's not like the movie The Room, where the guy took it to, oh my God, that's who I compare you to, Nikki Six. You are the Tommy Wiseau of the 80 Sunset Strip. <laughs> That's exactly what you are. Because you're so into your world that you're not seeing the reality of, of, of the situation, of the truth. Yes, Steel Panther writes songs like Death to All But Metal, my blank is community property, Asian hooker, blow my blank at the glory hole, okay? I mean, yes, but they purposefully wrote those songs. And you know what? You can't deny that they're funny, 
You can't deny that they're catchy. And you can't deny that they're entertaining. And they're not going out of their way to act like something that they're not. They're all talented musicians. And you know what? I give them all the credit in the world for hitting on a niche market that people are accepting. You know, they, they, they've opened up for Judas Priest and they opened up for you and Def Leppard on an Australian tour. And apparently from what Steel Panther said, Def Leppard was cool to them, but you and I think Tommy Lee, who is on a whole other level of weirdo 80s throwbacks, You, you you treated them badly, you know, and that's, see, to me, that's not cool. You know, whatever band I've ever played with as a member, I was always nice to the people that either opened for us or the people that we we opened for. Not because I was trying to get brownie points or not because I was trying to get ahead, but I just always felt that camaraderie and respect amongst musicians was was really important. And I think it's I think the most important thing as a musician that you need to do is not believe your own hype. That doesn't mean not be confident, but not believe your own hype. You know, like, I look at Lemmy. Lemmy, for for all it's worth, was a legend amongst musicians. You know, the man lived, breathed, and died for rock and roll. Because that's all he wanted to do. You know, I mean, he wrote a song about it in 1987 called Rock and Roll. He lives for rock and roll, it satisfies his soul. You know? That's that that was Lemmy. But everyone that ever encountered Lemmy said what a wonderful person he was. Everybody from Dave Grohl to Triple H of the WWE. You know, and like I thought that was really cool when Dave said that when he first met Lemmy, it was after Kurt Cobain committed suicide. And he said, Dave, I'm sorry about your friend Kurt. You know, like, I've always said when it comes to relationships with people, sometimes it's what you don't say that can speak as loud as what you do say. So he didn't go on a long tirade about, you know, about losing Kurt or, you know, you got to keep your head up. He just said, I'm sorry about your friend Kurt. And apparently that really touched Dave Grohl because I'm pretty sure that at the time people were telling him, oh, you're going to be okay or, oh, you're not going to be the same or, you know, or or, or you're going to need time to heal or this and that, you know, just <sighs> who knows what people told him. But Lemmy said the right thing, you know, and everyone knows who he is. Even people who didn't know Motorhead knew who Lemmy was. 
you know, but Lemmy never thought about it. Lemmy was just Lemmy. Meanwhile, you're Nikki Six, the guy who, you know, thinks his own poop don't stink. And he's out there knocking Steel Panther because of a joke they made about Vince Neil. Meanwhile, Vince Neil's cool with them. This is something I can't stand amongst musicians is false outrage. You know, that's why I tell, you know, bandmates, uh, not bandmates, this is why I tell musicians, I'm like, look, you can wear your heart on your sleeve when you're out there performing, but when it comes to how you handle yourself to others, handle yourself with respect, you know, because nobody cares how much of a crappy day you've had. If people are paying to see you perform, or if they're at a venue to see you perform, they want to be entertained. You know, sometimes you have to shut out reality and what's going on in your personal life for the amount of time that you're on stage. And if you don't want to be on stage because you're too engulfed in what you're going through, get off the stage. Let somebody else take it who wants it. You know, I've always felt like music was was catharsis for me. I've always felt like performing on stage, whether I'm doing my own stuff or whether I'm playing in hard drive or whether I'm with my wife on stage, uh, I've always felt it was a great, positive, creative outlet for me. Where if I felt like I was having a lot of poisons go through, go, go, go through me, I could just go on stage, let it out, and feel better about myself later. You know? And like I said, it's it's okay to wear your heart on your sleeve. But again, these are probably people that have had a worse day than you. You know, you should be grateful to be on that stage. And, you know, the people that are seeing you in the audience, they probably don't have the courage to go on stage. But they came to see you perform. So put on a good show for them. And if you don't want to be there, then get out, get out of the way and let someone else who wants to be there be there. Because there are a lot of musicians who want that opportunity to be on stage, you know, but they probably haven't found chemistry with the right people or they probably haven't uh, found the right band or they're just not ready yet. But, you know, and they, and they hope to be ready one day, but that's really all I can say about that is just, you know, Nikki, I don't know you personally. I I respect you, but I think what you're saying about Steel Panther is like way out of line. <laughs> all right. And you've had your moment in the sun You 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 put the gag order on Molly Crew that they'll never tour again as of uh, New Year's Eve 2015. So be gone and stay gone. That's that. That's all I could. That that that's all I could say about that. Let Steel Panther run wild because you know what? Now's their time. They're doing great. They're putting out great material. I enjoy it. Everyone I know who I've played them for enjoys it. And at this point, I'd rather hear Steel Panther, any album, than anything Molly Crew put out after 1984. There, I said it. Sue me.
Moving right along after this subject. So I mentioned before why I don't use Twitter, really. I do have a Twitter handle, um, but I prefer using Facebook or Instagram for social media. And I'll tell you why I don't like Twitter. Because I feel like when people tweet stuff, it just seems like it's the ultimate act of a keyboard warrior. You know what I mean? Like somebody who just goes on their phone, tweets or posts whatever random thoughts come to their head. You know, no thought about what they're saying before they come out and say it. Um acting like a tough guy and feeling entitled to say what they want and just post a bunch of ad hominems against other people. Um, I think Twitter, uh, sorry, Twitter is quite toxic in terms of the way it's being used. You know, um, and I, I'm not, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I realize that this, this subject here, it, it, it talks, it, it talks outside of what I normally talk about, which is about music or art or, you know, entertainment or whatever. But like the amount of tweets that people put out practically hourly, as opposed to daily or weekly or monthly, I mean, I've just seen some really crappy things that people post. Like, if if you post an opinion about something, you'll have like 500 people who will dislike your tweet and respond to you and say, oh, you're a jackass, go F yourself, you know, this and that. And I'm just like, you know what? This is anathema to proper discourse because with Twitter, it just seems like people could say whatever they want without fear of consequence, without any repercussion. And look, I mean, I'm, I'm all about the first amendment, but you know, I I also know that there's a lot of people out there that don't feel the same way about certain subjects as I do And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to begrudge them their opinion, even if I disagree with them or not. You know, people can post whatever the hell they want. But if I were to respond in a contrarian manner, and if I backed my argument with facts, it just seems like whoever I'm responding to won't accept the opposite narrative of what they're saying, but they'll attack you for it. At least on Facebook, you can block or you can prohibit who sees your posts. Like me. The only people who could see my posts are people who are on my friends list. Not anyone else outside of that. So friends of friends of mine on, on Facebook can't see what I post. But I also don't post anything that would get me in trouble with 
an employer or a family member, and I make sure that whatever I post doesn't put any of my loved ones in any kind of danger with an employer or a mutual friend or family member. You know, there's a certain of personal accountability and responsibility that people need to take into account when they're posting something. And again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't post. I'm just saying, be careful what you post. All right, because you may say the wrong thing at the wrong time and you, you may say something that others may not agree with and it's 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 ridiculous it's just it's it's ridiculous the toxicity that is associated with twitter which is something that i refuse i, I refuse to to use it i have one but i don't use it and honestly i don't feel like i don't feel as though my value as a person is diminished because i don't use one freaking form of social media. All right? But, you know, it's all to anyone out there who uses it, hey, God bless you. That's great. Uh, it's not really for me. Especially with, 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 with people who try to act like tough guys, and I just, I just don't want to deal with it. Because, you know, I'm all for conversation. I'm all for discourse. You know, if, if we both have opposing viewpoints on something, I'd be happy to sit down with anyone and talk it over with them over a beer or over a coffee or whatever. And I'll try to understand your viewpoint. All I ask is the same for the same respect back. And you know what? If I don't get it back, okay, I don't have to associate with you. And I think that anyone in any position should feel that way as well. It's really a matter of how you carry yourself. Like I said, nobody outside of you really cares that you've had a bad day. All right? And guess what? You know, we've all had bad days. I, we, I still get bad days. And that's all a part of being human. It's how you handle yourself that helps you get through those bad days. But most importantly, it's it's most important. I think I, I think it's valid for you to always remember the good things, you know. Like for for the hundred bad things that may happen to you over the course of a week, I realize that's an extreme number, but you know, I, I I'm saying this to anyone who feels like they're in a position of like they they they're questioning their 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 place in this world for the hundred things that may have happened to you over the week that were bad. Somewhere in there has to be one positive experience that you had to help you get through it. And just hold on to that and always remind yourself that things will get better. And guess what? You don't need social media to 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 validate your place in this world. You know, I have a 15-month-old daughter. I'm pretty sure by the time that she's a teenager or she learns about social media, um you know, she'll probably find friends 
uh, from school on those pages and add them or whatever. And she'll probably, I'm not saying that she'd be a victim of online bullying, but she'll, I'm, I think as a parent, it's the right thing for me to do to let her know, listen, just, just, just be warned that people will go on the internet to hurt you emotionally on social media because they feel that since they're behind a keyboard that they can and not feel any repercussions for it because it's just words. Don't buy into the words. Don't take what others say as gospel because it's not. And don't feel like you need to be on here for you to feel whole because you don't. Okay, Uh, to me, the relationships that I have with my loved ones in reality, it's more important than the 1500 people that I'm friends with on Facebook or Instagram, you know, and and that's that's really all I can say about that social media, you know, it's cool and all that, but really stop taking it so damn serious. You know, it it was started as a method to be fun. Now it's gotten to the point where it's political to the point where I want to hang myself. And I will still post on Instagram and Facebook things pertaining to music because they're things that I enjoy. And if you don't like it, unfollow me or unfriend me. Because I'm still going to do my thing. One thing I will not tolerate is people pushing their agenda on my page. If I'm not going on your page to push something, please don't go on mine. All right? And and and, and I think that's something that as, as any musician should take into account, especially if they're going to use social media. Use it as a way to promote your band and your and and your band's place in your scene. Use it as a way to for 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 brand awareness. Don't start using it as a soapbox to insult this guy or or that guy or this guy. And I realize I'm saying this after I'm talking about what Nikki Six did, but. Personally, I don't think I said anything wrong about Nikki Six. I don't think I said anything about him that wasn't true. And like I said, I respect him because I love what the first two Molly Crew albums are, and I, and I love what they meant to me. What, what they meant to me. I just can't stand by hypocrisy when he's calling Steel Panther a joke and backstabbers. Meanwhile, he's, you know, he he thinks that his own, you know, his own poop don't stink. I I, I can't. I can't respect that. I, I hate it when musicians put themselves in a place where they feel like they're 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 better than everyone else. Look, as a musician, you are blessed with a gift to be able to play an instrument and have the guts to go on stage. A lot of people wish that they were in your place just to say, hey, I could do that or hey, I've done that and I loved it. But other than that, you know, that's what people care about. 
You know, I, I saw a video of Tim Comerford of Raging as a Machine and Audio Slave going on a political tirade against people that he didn't agree with. And it's like I said in the last episode where people called Lemmy a Nazi just because he was a collector of World War II memorabilia. You know, no, Lemmy was not a Nazi. People who don't agree with you are not, are, 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 who, who disagree with where you stand politically are not Nazis, okay? That is not an argument. But Tim Comerford's also probably somebody who, you know, he's fixated in his way. And you know what? Hey, good for him. I don't have to accept it, so I just don't even bother. So that's, I guess that's the end of this rant. It's just, you know, hey. You know, you're, you're, you're a musician. You're doing something that gives you value. You're out there putting it for others to hear and enjoy. But just remember what they're there for. They're there for the music. They don't care about you being on your soapbox. Nobody wants to be lectured. Okay? regardless of wherever you stand in terms of politics and in terms of spirituality, in terms of anything of the sort, you know, to me, the best musicians were the ones who were, who, who just went on stage and played their heart hearts out. This is why most of the times I came and stand music that has lyrics in them. I'd rather listen to something instrumental. I'll take Angel Vivaldi or Animals as Leaders or Joe Satriani or anything that Tony McAlpine has done or Greg Howe over a lot of the music that comes out right now that's, you know, socially conscious. Because 20 years from now, people are going to look back and go, oh, that's pretty dated. But you know what, though? Uh, to me, it's it's never dated to hear somebody do an incredible run up and down the fretboard. So that's all I could say about that. Social media, it's great, but... I can live without it. But for the bands out there that rely on it, just remember, please use it responsibly. Uh, be accountable for what you say and post. And just be smart about what you're going to say and post. All right? Because the last thing you want, especially in this world where people are looking back at what you may have said five years ago and using it against you, who would have thought that, you know, that interview that Molly Crew did in 94 would come back to haunt him, you know, 25 years later, when he referred to Steel Panthers as backstabbers. But meanwhile, this is a guy who toured with Vince Neil for another 16 plus, 15 plus years because he wanted the money for being a Motley Crew as opposed to having the credibility of being in Molly Crew when John Karabi was uh, was in it, who, let's face it, is a better songwriter and a better singer. Again, that's just this is all just my opinion. You could take it or leave it as is, or you know, if you agree with me, great. If not, that's okay. Uh, I could still go to bed at night with a clear conscience. But anyways, so that's really all I'm going to talk about this week on the podcast. So I touched up on Motorhead, Eddie Van Halen, and Nikki Six, and my opinion on social media. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, this show. 
Thanks for tuning in. And once again, thank you to the Wayne and Greg and Uncle Saxon for hosting Music is Life podcast on the Rat Salad Review Network. Uh, check their podcast out. They're live every Wednesday. Also, check out J. Cab Morris on Yakuza Kick Radio. Check out Shaheen on Wrestling Overdose. Boxman does dirt sheet dudes. And check those guys out too. Shaheen, if you're listening, I'm sorry I said the wrong podcast title. Uh, check out Talking Maiden uh, with Nesbitt and Josh. Those guys just did 100 episodes. Congratulations, guys. Cheers. Here's to 100 more. Also check out the Dave and Dave Unchained podcast, the Van Halen Fan podcast, and I think that's... Oh, yes. And also check out Rafiera's personal podcast, Vieira Vault, and check out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast with Ralph Vieira and Ian Wadley. And finally, don't forget to check out the Heroes of the Rock and Pod Fests and Expo every year in Nashville. That would be Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak of Decibel Geek. Cheers, everyone. And what do I got planned this week? Well, it's my birthday on Saturday, so my wife is going to be taking me to Noble for some chicken parm pizza. I don't ask for much. Just love from the wife, love from the family, and a chicken parm pizza in front of me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, check out my band Hard Drive. Uh, we got we're, our 2020 itinerary is loading up, which is awesome. Check us out at harddriveband.com. Next show is November 1st at the Turning Point in Farmingdale. Show starts at 9 p.m. And we hope to see you there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This is Lou Mavs for the Music is Life podcast, signing off. Take care.